My name is Max. I am the pastor here. And I don't know if you know this, but Jesus is everywhere these days. So we just did a ribbon cutting for a new car wash in town. Uh, the guy that owns them is, is somebody that I used to be his pastor back in the 90s, uh, Ken Littrell. And so uh, when it came around to interjections, everybody says their name and their business that they're with. Well, I always like to be cantankerous, so I just say, Hi, my name is Max. I'm with Team Jesus. We're everywhere. <laughs> and I always get one of two things. People either laugh, they clap, and then afterwards I'll get uh, people that want to talk to me, you know, and they'll say, well, you know, you're right about that. <laughs> and, and so it opens doors for conversations. Jesus is an action figure. You can get him in posable form, uh, just like Star Wars people. Um, he's bumper stickers. Uh, you've driven around and you've seen Jesus is the reason and all kinds of stuff. Uh, in case of rapture, this car will be unoccupied. I mean, all kinds of funny things that people put on the back of their car. Um, you can get him on T-shirts. Uh, in fact, for kids, Jesus is the default answer for anything. So I remember once uh, when I was a children's pastor, uh, it was me and about 40 kids in this room. I had an assistant, and so it was my job to keep them engaged for about, you know, however long the pastor went and he would sometimes go 50 minutes or an hour, right? So I remember once saying, uh, can anyone tell me what is gray uh, and furry and likes to bury nuts during the winter and they love trees and they love climbing up trees and this hand shoots up and I'm like, and he goes, Jesus. <laughs> yep, the answer is Jesus. Um, everybody's got an opinion about Jesus. Uh, is he the son of God? What does that mean exactly? Uh, he's an teacher. Uh, I have another cha uh, chamber friend who is convinced that um, there's something behind the universe, but it's not a person or it's not personal. So it's kind of like this blind force. Um, and he likes to talk about getting enlightened. Um, and then, of course, there's the billboards, right? Jesus is the answer. Have you seen those billboards? And, of course, I always want to say, what's, what, what's, the, what's the question? Um, there's a word that's used in the pages of the Bible to talk about the earliest Christians. And that word is boldness. So in the book of Acts, you hear about Christians were talking about Jesus with boldness. Um, and I think it means something that other than the people that you see with bullhorns and a cross shouting things at crowds of people in a town square, right? So I, I want to unpack that. And I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to be looking at an uh, interchange that Jesus has with his disciples. So this is Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 and following. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or, or one of the other prophets. So Jesus asked them, Who do you say I am? Oh, Simon Peter answered, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you're Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidding in forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So this interchange takes place in Caesarea Philippi, which is north, and it was part of the tribe of Dan. Um, in the Old Testament times, uh, the tribe of Dan had all kinds of problems with Baal worship. So they were kind of, they were like, yeah, Yahweh's great, um, Baal's great too. And so they kind of wanted to cover their bets, so to speak. Um, in Jesus' day, uh, Caesarea Philippi was about as pagan a town as you can get. So I, I remember growing up, I had grandparents that lived in Las Vegas. And whenever I would tell my friends from this little town in Indiana where I was growing up that I was going to Las Vegas, they would say, oh, you mean Sin City? That, that's kind of Caesarea Philippi. And so Jesus asks this question there in that setting. Who do people say that I am? Oh, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah. So, so the people think that Jesus is one of the prophets. Um, the Jews at that time, they were waiting for this great prophet to come. Maybe it's Jesus, maybe it's not. Let's see how this all plans out or plays out. And they had categories um, and in their mind about what this prophet, what this uh, a servant of the Lord would, would look like. And of course, Jesus being Jesus, he doesn't fit any of their categories, any of the things that they were expecting. And so it throws them off. And so Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? And in, as in many instances, all of the disciples are mute. And who speaks up? Peter, right? Peter's the one that, that steps up. He says, you're the Messiah. The Hebrew word is Mashiach. It means anointed. Uh, 39 times in the Old Testament, it's used to describe the kings. Um, and so Jesus is saying, uh, when Peter says that, he's saying, no, you're not just a prophet, but you're a king with a kingdom something that Jesus preached regularly. So the Messiah figure among the Jews of the first century was someone that they were waiting for, and they were expecting that this Messiah would overthrow Israel's enemies and usher in this wonderful golden age, like the age of David and Solomon. And so Jesus says to Peter, blessed are you. If you've read the book of Matthew, you know that blessed is a term that's thrown around by Jesus, especially during the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the right. And so Jesus is making a statement. It's not a conferral of blessing. Jesus isn't saying, I bless you, Peter. He's saying, because you see this for what it is, you're blessed. Because God has given you the ability to see things as they are, you're blessed. And then there's this play on words, Petras, I will name you Petra, um, rock. And of course, I grew up Baptist. I don't know about you, but when I grew up Baptist in the 1970s, we were always afraid of Catholics. I don't know why. I think it's because they had a pope and we didn't have one. And, um, and so uh, Catholics will often say, well, this means this is the beginning of the papacy, right? Um, but... Jesus is saying something far more significant than that. Um, Peter is a rock because of what he's confessing. You're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. Um, and the community that is built on that confession is going to prevail, right? So Jesus also talks about keys. He says, 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I don't know if you know this, but like Peter, we have keys. It doesn't seem like we have them, uh, but these keys are important. And in the ancient world, they, were, uh, uh, they symbolized authority. And with these keys, follow me, we can let people into God's kingdom or we can keep them out of God's kingdom. Now, when I grew up uh, in the 1970s as a Baptist, one of the ways that we kept people out was things, the rules that we had. So we had a don't drink, dance, smoke, or chew or associate with those who do. My mother was a liberated woman in the 1970s and she didn't want to wear a skirt. So... Uh, anytime she tried to show up in church in a skirt or in in pants rather she liked to wear pants anytime she tried to show up in ch uh, to church in pants she was turned away right at the door like you can't come in right uh, and I remember more than one preacher coming into our home to outline for her wh what her sins were and how she needed to repent and start wearing skirts and of course what happened is that it kept my mom out of God's kingdom for two decades right? It took about with cancer and some other people with keys where they were like, hey, Sherry, come on in. Come as you are. Did you, have you heard about God? Have you heard about Jesus? Have you like, right? And so all of a sudden, right, she made this shift. So like Peter, you and I can either let people into God's kingdom or we can keep them out. Um, and one of the groups of Jesus' day that were really great about keeping people out of God's kingdom were the Pharisees. They were the God squad. Um, I've taught on this before, but every generation has a God squad. The people who believe, oh, we speak for God. We know what God's doing. We know God doesn't like that. He loves this. Oh, you are so going to hell, but you're not. And, and so the God squad kind of rolls that way in every generation. Um, and so this is an important interchange because Peter is acknowledging who Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah. And that's a question of our day, right? You're going to encounter all kinds of people. Everybody loves Jesus, the Jesus that they have in their head, the Jesus who probably looks most like them um, and cares about the things that they care about. But, but like when the first century, Jesus wants to shatter those categories. So we throw out several terms as it relates to Jesus in the church. Um, we talk about Jesus as our savior. Um, and when we say that, we mean that Jesus and Jesus alone deals with our sin. Um, your good deeds, my good deeds, every week that I show up at the food pantry is just not enough, right? But what Jesus did on our behalf is enough. And that's what makes us acceptable in God's eyes. And it's really wonderful news. And the world needs to hear it because the world is trying to get in with God's graces before they kick the bucket. <laughs> and they're worried that they're not sure they have enough good deeds to make the cut. And then we use this phrase, Lord, kurios. When we say that Jesus is Lord, that kind of makes us his servants. We should be doing our master's bidding. Um, Paul uses this word, doulos of Christ. I'm a slave of Christ. Um, and so uh, when I sometimes 
God is asking me to do something that I don't want to do, I, I, I channel my inner Count Dooku and I go, yes, master, right? <laughs> Even though there's a part of me that I don't want to, I know that I'm better obeying. And then there's God as creator. God made all the people, the ones that you like, the ones that you don't like, and God made everybody. And do you see that when you're looking at them? So in light of Peter's confession, uh, in light of telling others about Jesus, which is what I want to get to, um, I want to ask a few questions. And the first question is, has anyone in your life ever opened the curtains for you spiritually? Has anyone in your life opened the curtains for you spiritually, given you a clear view of Jesus, where you were like, oh, he's beautiful, I love him. Who in your life has pointed you to Jesus? And have you ever thanked him? Because if you haven't, this is a great day to make a phone call or write a postcard. The post office still delivers. It takes forever, but it'll get there, hopefully, maybe, right? And then lastly, if Jesus were to give you a nickname, so if his nickname for Peter is Rock, what would Jesus' nickname for you be? And don't be too hard on yourself, okay? But what, what would Jesus' nickname be? Um, what would you want that nickname to be? And here's the power. What you want that nickname to be, God wants that with you and for you because God is for you, not against you. Over this month, we've been talking about habits that uh, tie into this virtue of commitment for our kids. But habits are these things that we need practice doing. So in the first week, I talked about the fact that God still speaks through the Bible. And I challenged you to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts by mid-October. Because why guess about what God is saying? If God speaks through the Bible, then, then get that key stuff. See if God speaks to you through that. And then last week, we talked about prayer, right? And the, the components of prayer and, and how we talk to God. But today, I want to beg you to actually talk about Jesus so Peter makes this confession, you're the Messiah. Jesus ends up dying a criminal's death on a cross. Surprise! Peter flakes out, denies even knowing Jesus several times, does the very thing that he promises his friend he'll never do, right? Can you imagine? Some of us have been down roads where we've done stuff that we later regret profoundly. Peter regretted this profoundly. And yet, on the other side of the resurrection, Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. And for the rest of his life, Peter tells about Jesus everywhere he goes. When I see him in the resurrected life, one of the questions I have for Peter is, did you really ask to be crucified upside down? Like, what was that, bro? Was that like just humility? Was that thinking you're not good enough, that you had never made up for the denial stuff? Like, what was going on there? Like, that's just a burning question I have. You can ask your own questions to Peter when you see him, right? But we have people in our lives who need us to talk about Jesus. And that means using words, talking about where we are, what's going on with us. Uh, young people have a word for that, issues. Everybody's got issues. I love the way one person said it years ago. They told me on a Sunday as they were leaving church, they said, Pastor Max, I love coming to Generations. I love hearing you preach. And I was like, really? My ears picked up. And then they said, 
Yeah, every week I go home and I think to myself, well, I'm not that messed up. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> okay. So there was a time in my life when I wasn't very bold to come back to that word at the beginning. I wasn't very bold about telling others about Jesus. I've told this story a number of times and it's poignant for me because I'm going to go to my high school reunion this summer. We're getting together in somebody's backyard in Hartford City, Indiana. But I had a classmate named Amy. Amy was an English, uh, an English aficionado. She was always reading novels, always reading books. Uh, she did the yearbook because anyone who's good with words, we make them deal with pictures too. And so she, she did the yearbook. And uh, I remember one class, uh, she was reading through the Chronicles of Narnia. And she says to me, Max, wouldn't it be great if somebody like Aslan, Aslan were real? And I opened my mouth, but nothing came out. And then the bell rang, right? And it was too late. So when you and I are like Peter, when we're acknowledging Jesus for who Jesus is, God's kingdom is built. The church is built. And so I want to encourage you today to actually use words and talk about, I'm giving you permission. It's okay to talk about Jesus. I think our church has done really good about loving people and we kind of keep our mouths shut about the Jesus stuff and we love first and that's a good approach. That's a good approach. You can never go wrong loving people and accepting people because that's exactly what Jesus did in all of his relationships. He front-loaded them with acceptance. But at some point, you've got to testify. You've got to have something that you're saying about Jesus. And so this would be a good day to think about what is that for you? What has Jesus meant for you? What did he do for you? What has he done lately? What's he up to in your life? What are the things in your heart that you're having to surrender? I find that one of the, some of the more fruitful conversations I have with people are when I'm sharing my own aspects of my heart that I'm having to yield to God. And they go, oh, well, let me tell you about this thing that I'm dealing with, <laughs> right? And the doors open. I have found that um, in the last year and a half, I've had more people willing and wanting to talk about Jesus than I've ever encountered. The pandemic, the lockdowns, the craziness, the politics, the, the nutty people on social media, come on, like it's been a year, it's been a rough, rough year. And people are open to hearing about who is Jesus really. I'm going to invite our musicians up, and we got some more singing to do. You'll find this in your song sheet. It's the very next song. Uh, but I want to pray for us as a congregation. Father, first of all, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, who lived the life that we should live, who died the death that we deserve, and who ushered in your kingdom, where the weak are strong, where the peacemakers are blessed, where the humble are exalted, where no one is forgotten and everyone is valuable. Father, thank you for the gift of your kingdom. Thank you for the gift of your son. Help us this day and the days coming this week as you give us opportunities to just talk about Jesus. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to be quoting scripture 
but it needs to be honest. So help us to be honest and open for those opportunities. Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear. We want to be sensitive to the leading of your spirit in the coming days. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.